Good morning and welcome to episode 132 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and before I introduce today's guest, I wanted to say that in this episode, we talk about print. And my guest says something that really stuck with me. It was that print will be around as long as design is alive. Print won't die as long as design is alive. So that really stuck out to me and really got me thinking, um, you know, how powerful print can be. So to help you designers out there and you creatives in preparing your print files and connecting with a printer about them, I created this quick little guide for you of the top things to check your file for before you send into a printer. Even experienced print designers sometimes forget to check these. It causes delays in the whole process. It can cause uh, some extra costs with back and forth proofing. And let's be honest, you want to be the best friend of your local printer. Why not, right? So head over to thequickiepodcast.com and you can pick that guide up for free. All right. My guest today is Austin Dunbar. He is the janitor, HR, and waterboy at Durham Branding Co. During this episode, we talk about how he was growing up overseas in Japan. His mom was a curator of a Japanese art gallery over there, and he spent a lot of his childhood hanging out with artists, and he thinks some of that rubbed off on him. He also dabbled in the skateboarding and the music scene, which is always a great influence for creatives and designers. We then talk about how he moved around Kentucky and Chicago doing the studio thing, checking that out before going full illegal with Durham branding. Austin also has a love for interior design, which he thinks he might have picked up over with his time in Japan. We talk about how print and why print has such a big impact on him. He then gets into some challenges in his life about some things that um, you know he's even shed some tears over, and I am with him there. Same situations, same struggles, same challenges, same balance. And uh, yeah, sometimes you cry. Dudes cry. Come on now. We talk about how when a client and studio relationship turns to a fight or just gets ugly, that muddy water shows up in the work. He talks about a story around that. We also talk about a beer can design project that he was working on that finally ended after 87 versions. 87, 87 versions. Mm-hmm. He tells us about a client project that he is proud to have been a part of due to the future impact of that product. Not necessarily something that changes today, but the future impact of that product. And that is why it's important to him. Ladies and gentlemen, I had so much fun chatting with today's guest. Super entertaining, great guy to connect with. So let's get into it. My guest, Austin Dunbar. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Austin. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Likewise. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Um, so I got to ask you, 
Uh, wait till you're finished taking a sip because I don't want you to like spit all over your screen. Um, yeah. Are you ready for a quickie? Uh, always. Excellent. Yeah, always. Yeah, for sure. So, so let's not mess around. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. My name is Austin Dunbar, um, owner of Durham Branding Company, a design agency in Covington, Kentucky. Uh, specializes in brand, um, packaging, do a lot of beer, whiskey, spirits, corporate um, clients kind of all across the board. That's the, that's the quickest way I can tell you. <laughs> um, you know, spirits and uh, the, you know, the hard liquor world, Kentucky, that's a good spot to be for that, eh? Yeah, man. It's hand in glove. It's bloodline. I love that. That's great. So how long has Durham been going for? What's the timeline on that? Uh, end of 2013, okay. uh, beginning of 2014 is when I say it is when it went from freelance to going legal. That's what I call it. Getting in like an LLC and mm-hmm. S Corp and all the, all the back end buttoned up. Got so it. five, six years, something, something along that line. Okay. So what were you doing then while it was still that sort of side hustle position? Uh, I was employed, you know, like most people, um, employed at a design agency, kind of hopped around a few design agencies, um, for a little bit, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, um, and freelance just isn't for me. It's kind of temperamental. Uh, and you don't really own relationships as much. You kind mm-hmm. of just own, you kind of own time and you're building against time versus kind of trying to build, uh, together with the client a mm-hmm. little bit more so. So I kind of got out of that, um, and had enough, I think freelance work to kind of turn into me email and be like, Hey, so by the way, now instead of paying Austin Dunbar, you're going to pay this thing that just now started called Durham branding company. And we're going to keep doing work together kind of thing. So that was the, that was the beginning transition. Okay. So when you made that move and you started sending those emails out, yeah. how did that feel? Was that terrifying? Was that exciting? Was it all of the above? Yeah, it's all the above, man. Cause it's, I think when you do that, you're in the black. Um, and you're kind of in the unknown mm-hmm. freelance is unknown anyways, but when you're starting a business, you know, uh, graph design school, universities, whatever the case may be, they don't teach you the business of design. They teach you uh, design application. Mm-hmm. And so learning things about the back end of how to run a business, um, that you kind of have to learn that by fire. And so went through that and it was really kind of just like a leap of faith and, and, and maybe a little bit of ignorance thinking I could do it. And, uh, yeah, and it's it's been rolling ever since. Uh, one of my previous guests, Matthew Clark from Subplot, um, just like probably ten or fifteen episodes ago, um, yeah. called it inspired arrogance <laughs> to go out on mm. your own. <laughs> That's what it was. That's beautiful. I love that inspired yeah. arrogance. Um, yeah. Okay, so you were doing the freelance thing, kicked at Durham about uh, five or six years ago. How long were you caught up in that hopping around studio game? Uh, three years. It wasn't very long. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, uh, started here in Northern Kentucky, uh, bounced up to Chicago, worked for a really great agency up there with people that I still love and admire. Um, and then at the time my wife and I were having our second child mm-hmm. and Chicago has a child quota cap that you can't go over to that. Not really, but, I know. but, it's just, I love that. but, but it just, it was one of those things where I was like, Oh yeah. Um, so they, uh, she moved back here originally. She's from around this area and uh, I stayed in Chicago for a little bit and then came back to the Cincinnati Covington area in 2000 end of 2012 ish. Yeah. And so it was only, it was only three years. So that, uh, I guess three or four, the child quota thing is kind of like a New York thing, right? Where it's unofficial, but you know, how do you have more than two kids and 800 square feet of like an apartment? Right. That's sort of the, yeah, man. 
it's a logistics problem. Exactly. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a price per square footage biweekly paycheck salary problem, Perfect. you know? Um, <laughs> and, and it's also too, it's a little bit of, um, you need to kind of look out a little bit more other than just yourself and be like, you yeah. know, how do I want to raise my kids? And what, what, what being a dad's like, you mm-hmm. know, versus what being a designer's like, those are two separate things most of the time. Yeah. So yeah. And coming back, coming back to Kentucky, I think, um, I'm not originally from here, but my family's from here. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't grow up here. I, I think it was just in the cards the whole time. And so really c- came here and kind of just kind of owned being the most Northern tip of Kentucky. It just really and, feels like home. Yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. So you had brought up uh, just a second ago about, you know, that your parents had lived there and that was, you know, sort of your hometown. Um, and I, so I want to get into that a little bit. What was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that kind of pointed you in this career direction? Yeah, so I was not, I'm not the person on the podcast that was born with a pencil and pen in their hand and mm-hmm. was doing finger paintings and had art shows in fourth grade kind of thing. Um, I, my father was actually a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. And so I grew up mostly overseas. I grew up mostly in Japan um, during my formidable years, about like eight years, 11 years, something like that. And so mm-hmm. growing up, growing up overseas, um, kind of gives you, I think it's just a different perspective than maybe growing up in a, in a smaller town in the Midwest, um, to a degree. So I think that would maybe be an advantage, but my mother was also a gallery director for five contemporary Japanese woodbox galleries. So oh, I grew wow. up. Yeah. So I grew up in these Japanese art galleries with all of these, um, famous Japanese artists that are in the Smithsonian and, um, in all of these global galleries all around. And I was just a shitty kid and I just wanted to eat the sugar cubes <laughs> that were in the uh, refrigerator. True story versus like hanging out with these, you know, famous at the time I know now famous, but it was kind of just more like hanging out with family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that kind of rubs off a little bit once you get a little bit older and you have a little bit more of a um, kind of a hindsight into life. And you're like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like that, that was probably where it started. And then obviously too, the same old stuff that applies to everyone like Dan from Lincoln growing up playing in bands and skateboarding and, um, uh, skateboard magazines and music, like all of that stuff just, I think borderlines crosses kind of design. And I think has influenced Durham's design aesthetic to a degree. Got it. So, you know, the most important thing I pulled from that huge deep statement you just made was, <laughs> yeah. um, sugar cubes kept in the refrigerator. Yeah, man. So we would, we would, we would eat sugar cubes and literally, so they'd box of sugar cubes. We'd pound those. And then there were, there was this Japanese candy and I can't remember what it's called, but it has this like, it it sounds gross, but it's like a sour taffy. Oh, Um, and, but not, it's like caramel taffy. I don't know how to explain it. We would Mm -hmm. just smash that and just, you know, run around being kids in an art gallery, which sounds, (laughs) sounds strange and sounds, um, it's kind of weird to, hear me say that but that's really what it was kids in an art gallery yeah Love yeah that. with my brother and sister yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. full disclosure for the listener who's going to send me an email saying all you pulled from that was sugar cubes no no right. I, got, I got the goods don't don't worry right perfect <laughs> um so when do you think that really clicked for you and you started seeing design or art out in the world uh, i I was raised in an artistic family that didn't practice art. Mm-hmm. So it kind of applies back to what I, what I just said. Um, but, uh, so, you know, my parents were always interested in all kinds of stuff, um, whether mm-hmm. it's 
Japanese artwork or oriental rugs or just kind of things a little bit more um, in terms of interior. So actually interior designs I like better than graphic design any day of the week mm-hmm. uh, because I think because of that. Uh, and um, when I was really young, I, I used to remember flipping through. You remember those CD booklets that your parents had that were like, which dates yes. me in terms of age. People, the generation before us talks about flipping through records. That wasn't me. I was going through a 2000 uh, zip up duffel of CDs that you were going 100%. through. 100%. I know exactly and, what you're talking about. And I used to I used to pull the CDs out and then I would put the CDs in and listen to the music based off of the album cover. And I remember there was this one album that I thought looked real cool and I put it in and uh, I absolutely hated it and it was actually Stone Temple Pilots. <laughs> <laughs> but I was six, so who cares? They're, they're okay now, but yeah. uh, which is kind of funny. So yeah, so I think, I think always being a little bit... Um, turned into visual was was a thing i was always into but it was never expressed as a kid so i wasn't like i said the guy that drew or um or the kid that was real good at art or anything like that i was playing sports and running around and just being a child Mm -hmm. so you said you also have a huge love for interior design Um, yeah man but that japanese aesthetic for interior design is super minimalistic and clean isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. do you think some of your taste is maybe influenced by that or is that not really tying into it? Um, I think it is. So I think this isn't, this isn't a technical uh, Japanese um, art aesthetic, but uh, I think the idea of the Japanese um, or what is the Japanese aesthetic is called wabi-sabi and it's the, the beauty and the imperfection. I love mm-hmm. that stuff. I think some of the gritty textural expressive nature of the studio's work has this kind of wabi-sabi texture to it. I'm not nuancing the texture of each individual print or gig poster or package dime, whatever the case may be, where it lands, where it needs to lay um, and it's meant to lay. And so I, I really kind of appreciate that. Um, but I also think like bold will hold. Um, and I think that also applies um, in to interiors as well and just having like certain simple statement pieces within a home so it's not just crazy loaded on top um and you walk into someone's house and you feel congested um but it feels open and welcoming and things like that and so the same thing i think applies to the work the studio makes mm-hmm. very yeah cool. everything i think everything kind of has its place to a degree well said i like that saying bold will hold i haven't heard that before mm. You'll hear, you'll, you'll hear I, I, I don't own that. You, you'll hear people, like people who do tattoos say that, and things like that. So No, I, I put a TM beside it. I've trademarked it. If it's yours. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so, yeah, and then Austin Dunbar, janitor of Durham Branding Company. <laughs> that trademark. Love it. Um, Austin, so I had told you that when I put a post up on my Instagram story saying, who do you guys want to hear from? Who, who do you want to hear on the show? Your name got shouted out two or three times. So mm-hmm. I want to ask you, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? Yeah, you know what's funny? I think now being 2019 going on to 2020 um, and categorically speaking, design is just so out there in the public now. Um, it used to be a lot more privately held and you mm-hmm. kind of had to search out um, who did what and this, that and the other. But just totally. with just with technology and Instagram and, and, and DMs and, hey, you need to talk to this person and that person. Um, I think all that's changed. Um, there's a lot of really good people on the Internet, um, but I would rather champion my friends because oh, yeah. I love them and I invest in them. Um, and some of these friends um, are people that other people look up to, like Clark Gore, love him to death from Hellcats, him and Brittany. Um, they're really close personal friends with, to my wife and I, my other friend, Jenna Blazovich uh, from Witchcraft in Chicago. 
love her a lot passionately. But then you, you know, then you get you get the rock star all stars like Draplin. He's a great guy. You know, the dance from Young Jerks love them as people and fathers and things like that too, and what they stand for. So it's kind of it's kind of a hodgepodge. I'm not a real big fanboy in mm-hmm. terms of designers. I think it's kind of a it's a short term lease, um, just because the way things change. Um, I'd rather uh, be invested in more of like friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have if you happen to be a designer, cool. Um, but if you're not uh, that's great as well. Awesome. No, I love that. You know, some of the great names that you gave a shout out to, but I love how you explained that where, you know, it's friends and almost community. That is the important yeah. aspect of that for you. Yeah. And like, there's, I think there's other things like, I think there's, I think design, some t- design for a lot of people is a gateway to conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but then once you push back occupation, it's like, what's the stuff that you're into and who are you and what, where are your values? Like if you were to apply that same logic to a car salesman, you don't see a bunch of car salesmen, you know, DM and car salesmen um, <laughs> and be like, man, I really look up to you. Like, d- 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 like it just doesn't happen. So it's just weird. <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's like, I'd rather, I'd rather get to the meat of a person versus what they get paid for. Um, and that's like, kind of toward such an attitude of like community over competition. Absolutely, man. For sure. hundred percent. Um, all right, I want to dabble a little bit in some print talk, and I want to hear from you how you have utilized print in your design career and any stories or recent projects around print and packaging. Yeah, man. So I think um, I would say 80 to 85% of the studio's work um, actually gets printed, awesome. uh, which which is great because I, it's it's a tangible thing, right? We're, we're, selling, we're selling products. We're not selling um, code, for mm-hmm. instance. Um, and so there's an expectation when it comes to print, um, there's a fist fight that comes with print. Um, and we work with a lot of really great print partners on, um, big packaging projects, um, like the beers and the spirits and all that kind of stuff. But we also try to, um, employ other people to do fun stuff for us, you know, as well. Um, cause I think that's, I think that's great, but print really has, um, a big impact on me and, I th- it applies to literally everything we do, whether it's screen print or we design labels, knowing how the print process works and like what needs to get stacked up on what and how we separate final art files. Like again, all this stuff that just doesn't exist in design school. Um, getting you know getting it from your computer and from a PDF to a printer and actually holding it in, ha- in your hand, it's a long process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really appreciate that process and being able to like work back and forth and and trying to keep like cost variables down and all mm-hmm. this stuff, you know, that just, that just adds up. I, print, print to me will never die as long as designs alive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's human beings desire touch, um, and connection. Um, and you know, digital posts through Instagram, I don't think can feed the fish forever. So I, uh, I, I really appreciate, you know, people who have good print shops whether that's on the screen printing side or the production side or Mm -hmm. even like the house technical side. So a couple of questions come from that. Um, First off, one is what, what is that feeling like when you create something and you've seen it on screen, the client has approved it on screen and then you get it in your hand for the first time. What does that feel like? Uh, Overwhelming and underwhelming at the same time. Probably (laughs) is a good way. Um, probably a good way to compartmentalize that. Uh, and because it just depends on what the project is. So some mm-hmm. of them can be over a year long and then it's like, it's kind of like waiting for a baby, right? So then it takes nine months and then it's there and you're like, 
oh hell, like this is a thing now. And like, and then you're like looking at it. I'm not saying you're looking at your baby different when it's first born, but <laughs> you you knew what the you knew what the process was to to get there. And um, uh, and I think I think sometimes too it could be like oh no, like this didn't come out the way it should have. And we the design process and just building it like got nuanced and watered down and this that and the other. And you knew what it was twenty versions back, mm-hmm. um, what it could have been. But I'm a big believer in like what's out in the world needs to be out in the world, um, and everything else you can just save on your Dropbox folder for yeah. a private portfolio if you need it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's not always you know what the designer says; it's what the client's paying for and what they want and what they think's best for their business. So, mm-hmm. I uh, sometimes I get real excited, and sometimes I'm like, oh man, okay. Um, and I have a real short term lease on stuff that I like. Like, so I love it right when I see it and then it's, it's on to the next thing. And, and then, then it's on the shelf and you move shelf. on. Yep. Yep. Got it. Very cool. If I hang, if you hang on it for too long, then it's just like, who cares? You know, it's just, a, <laughs> it's just a, whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a wedding invite. I'm just making up an example of something. Yeah. It's a random one off piece. Like, yeah. This isn't going to do anything. I can tell you probably do a lot of wedding invitations. That's, so we actually changed our complete business model. It's going all hand lettering to all the hand letters out there. Watch out. Um, we're doing wedding invites. <laughs> we coming for you. I, I joke. Yeah, <laughs> God joke. We can't do that. I can't hold a candle to that stuff. That stuff's tough. Yeah, no kidding, man. All right, Austin. The next few questions I have for you take you down you know, the dark days of your career through some of the tough spots. Um, yeah. I want to pull those stories. I want to pull those lessons out and share those mm-hmm. with the listeners. And then I'll spin it. We'll end in a happy place. What has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how mm. did you get through it? Um, I think when you start um, a business using inspired ambition, was that, was that the, uh, the inspi- word play? Oh, what was it now? I, you know what I mean. Whatever it was, the, yeah. the, the poetry in that too, that word stack. <laughs> um there's uh, everything's everything's on a balancing scale right um and, and if you go head first um and the deep end of something you're going to be leaving other things behind yeah. and sometimes um you know there's a lot of, there's like sacrifice with that um you know there's financial risk there's all those kinds of things but you know for me for the longest time i was so just kind of head down on durham that i didn't really look up to uh, see how like my family was doing to see mm-hmm. just like how I mentally, emotionally was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was, all, it was all about the deadlines and the work and the clients. Um, and I and other people around me were kind of the last people, um, to get checked in on. And so you can only do that for so long when you're running on E. And so I burnt out pretty hard, um, and could have, could have lost all of it, but it was, there was a big wake up call and kind of able to reel it back in a little bit and realize, Hey, you know what? Like we're not saving the world via graphic design. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, this is a career and a choice. This isn't necessarily like a do or die kind of thing. So mm-hmm. was able to kind of choke back on some of that stuff and, and realize what matters and what's, what's static um, and what stays and what's dynamic, what, and what it's kind of fluid and needs to, to move on. Got it. Um, a little bit of a curveball question, but through that tough process where you drained yeah. yourself, exhausted yourself, pulled away from the family a bit, did you cry? Oh, I, I'd cry now on the thing on this if you ask me a question. Yeah, I'll cry. I have, I have three daughters. There's no, I don't have testosterone. I don't have testosterone in my body. Like I live with, I live with tears and fear and hugs and holding. Like that's just my life. And so, of course, it. man, no, like, and I, I think. 
what what I love about I think what I love about um, emotion and, and some of that kind of stuff too is then then you know where the walls are and you know what matters. Hundred mm-hmm. um, Because if if you get if you get a real upset about some stuff and you're like oh hell like it's either this or this and then you, you're kind of left with the choice to make and, and figuring some of that stuff out and that's also life and it's growing up. You know, like I could be an accountant and I could still have the same things happen. Just being, you know, pressured in the tax season or whatever the case may be. Um, I, I think figuring out where your walls are and where your boundaries are and, and, and what's tried and what's true and making sure you kind of keep that in your camp and surround yourself mm-hmm. with good people is what matters. Dude, that's cool. I can totally relate to, you know, what you're saying there, you know, that going through the sort of like the phase of hustle, work, 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 grow, grow, grow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you look at your family and you're like, Oh damn. Or friends, man. Or like your health, man. Like I got, like I literally, I, uh, last year I was in the ER because of graphic design. Um, and, and because of just working myself to exhaustion Mm -hmm. and, um, that's not worth anything. You know what I mean? It's Mm -hmm. like worth what? A double a double tap on an Instagram post like no one cares about that. Yeah, um, for you sure. Know, a client like none of that stuff's going to exist if I'm toast. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I've got three kids, two old, the two older awesome. ones are daughters, and then the third one's a boy. And oh yeah. man, wild card. Oh, dude, is he ever? The difference is, let me I, tell you, I if we're not going to have another child um, because now we're in Kentucky's quota of three, but <laughs> if uh, if we did, I'd want it to be a girl only because I don't know if I could handle a boy on the fourth and be like, you're a whole new thing. Like, how mm-hmm. do we, how do I, how does this work? And, you know, I shouldn't know what up. to do with this one, but I, right, but right. I don't right. <laughs> totally. I hear you there, man. Um, yeah, it's interesting you say that. And, you know, I'm going to put this out there as well that I need to, I need to check myself on that mm. and looking after myself. And the last episode I had um, where you're going to be pulled into a bit with the ask it forward question um, was with Taylor and a big part of his, um, you know, he's been through a lot and mm-hmm. the point that he got to with the stress and the work that he was putting on himself, you know, the, the stuff that he started just putting out in the universe to better himself and the way the mm-hmm. law of attraction worked for him. Anyways, we'll get yeah, to that. We'll get to that. Don't you worry. I'm going to keep that one locked in the chamber a few more minutes. Cool. Yeah. Um, so now, it, can you take us to a specific design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Yeah, man. Um, I'll probably keep client names out of it yep. just because that's that's the wise thing to do. For sure. Um, there's. I'll put it this way because there's a ha- actually a handful of them. Um, uh, I think with and this actually applies to something I, I mentioned earlier. Um, studios at its point. So the beginning beginning of the studio, you kind of said yes to everything because mm-hmm. um, you had to, right? You don't you didn't have a choice. People were coming to you, yeah. um, and 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 they're employing you to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I through say through being a yes man and yes ma'am person. Um, have learned a lot about just what design is um, mm-hmm. and what it takes to um, produce uh, a good project for the client specifically. Um, and for me, graphic design is completely relational. Um, there's a transactional um, aspect to it, but it's all it's relation over currency any totally. day of the week. And I have found myself in the beginning saying yes to certain projects, knowing that 
this client and the studio were going to be getting into bed together and it was going to be a fist fight the whole way through. And when it's a fist fight, um, it shows in the work, right? It shows, it's just like any other relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, that's always kind of deflating, um, because the studio really prides itself on the best work it's done. the, the most recent work that's went out. And sometimes when you're kind of tooth and nailing through just kind of client contractor studio relationships, uh, some of that muddy water sometimes ends up in the final product and no one's proud of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of, that's been like an interesting, I think that's been an interesting lesson. And, you know, of course there's some, there's, there's other examples too, where the, we were locked on the second round of a label and then we went through, um, I'll use it. I'll use it. I'll use a beer can. We were locked on the third round of the beer can. And then we did 80 rounds of, uh, cans after that, um, for actually a pretty big brand. And that's just the way it works sometimes, you know, um, there's, there's other stakes on the line that you're not aware of, uh, that 80. Uh, there, yeah, there was a project that was 87, it was 87 beer cans for one, for one, um, client. You now know, the most client, people, when they look at a beer can, Sort of go. Yeah. Is there eighty-seven things you can change on here? Uh, so there's probably sixty, um, <laughs> and then and then there is um, uh, there's some nuance, you know, different ways you're painting the room and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you're talking when you're talking big beer, mass beer, um, there's stock, there's equity, there's bigger things on the line than some mm-hmm. like cool craft beer around the corner. But some guy just starting a home brew and he's got his first brewery. Like there's bigger, there's bigger, um, fish in those waters that you have to feed visually. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes can get convoluted because again, you're working with big business. This isn't craft business. So it's a different, it's a different animal. So yeah, 80 something beer cans, but then we got through it and it was, and, and it was great. And, and everyone seems to love it. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And it rolled into all kinds of other stuff, you know, the bottles and the website and everything else. Well, that's good. Ends in a happy place on sort of that you know, yeah. growing relationship, deeper relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin, what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Oh, um, running a business um, that's outside of yourself. You mm-hmm. know, again, no, that's that's a learn by fire. Uh, you could read all the books and, and do listen to all the Gary V's all you want all day long, whatever the case may be, but not everything's apples to apples to your application. And so, uh, being, you know, running a team, um, being a good person, um, try to be, you know, I don't necessarily like the word leader, um, but just being a, a good, um, person that people want to be associated with, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Want, and want to work for. And also be um, a team member, you know, um, I, I would say I, I was probably a captain of a team, but I'd rather be, I'd rather be the fifth guy out on the court um, than the first guy that people are cheering for. Awesome. Really well said. Um, so I'm going to turn it around now. Tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of the one that just makes Ooh. your heart sing. Um, I, I, most recently it was a, um, it was a project for a client that has been around the studio. We're coming up on four years. So it's been a four year, it's been a four year client. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're great and they're, they're awesome. And categorically visually, it is not what Durham's necessarily known for. It's, uh, for a medical device client, it's hyper clean. Um, the, the tone of voice isn't necessarily as punchy and attitudinal 
as a lot of Dur- other Durham work is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is um, the future. Literally, it's a device that's coming out in the future, and, and this is going to save lives. Um, and that kind of stuff has a lot of weight to it. You know, it's not cool. It doesn't have to be cool graphic design. It has to be um, really well thought out, um, human-based um, design application that people can actually work through and know how to use um, when the time comes. You know, I, that's that. We're I'm really proud of that work. There's another client that we have that is a um, they're a national uh, organ tissue and eye donation uh-huh. client. And that, you know, that doesn't go anywhere on the internet because um, it actually literally is uh, life and death. Like some people have passed uh-huh. away and donated, donated, you know, kidneys or livers or corneas, whatever the case may be. Uh-huh. Um, that's the kind of stuff that really, that I really appreciate. Um, and I appreciate those partnerships uh, because the studio isn't forward facing in that, um, in some of those kinds of categories. And they appreciate the cool kind of their words, kick ass, punk rock, beer can spirits, things like that. Um, mm. And they know that they 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 know that we have that kind of side. But some of the some of the cleaner stuff, um, and it maybe goes back to some of the Japanese stuff we talked about. I'm getting a little more into because um, it's harder to hide behind. Mm-hmm. Totally. Than than some of the some of the texture gritty. It's like noise rock is just a wall of sound versus a dude playing acoustic guitar. So hundred percent really yeah. nice analogy. That totally makes sense. Um, <clears throat> Austin, what is one design product tool website or community that you just can't live without? Design product, product um, tool, tool, website, or a community. One of those, what's one of them that you just can't live without? Oh, community for sure. Is there any particular community you're a part of or involved with that? We, um, public, like personally, yeah, publicly, professionally, not, not as much. Um, we do a lot of pro bono work for, for things around Covington, Mm -hmm. um, and then, or it's just a hyper discounted rate, Mm -hmm. um, just to, just to make sure the city thrives and and looks, um, as well as it, as we want it to look. Um, so I think, yeah, so, and that's, and that's been great. And, and, um, it's, that's been, that's been real cool. You know, there's a, uh, all the guys that work at the studio were on a shared text thread called trash pals. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, and we swap stuff all the time on that. And, um, that's, that's a really good, um, tool just to, you know, kind of detox and tox on a little bit, yeah. um, and have, and have a little bit of fun. Uh, and then I think just, you know, uh, friendship or friendships at conferences and things like that. Um, and being able to hang out and kind of break bread with other people outside of an Instagram handle, uh, has been great as well because then you realize you're not like the only person going through whatever you're going through at the time, whether it's totally. whether it's struggle or victory. Um, it's all graphic designs and up and down career. So you know, I love how you how you said that. You know, going from that online community to you know the in person community, if same people, it's just a completely yep. different interaction. Um, yeah. You know, I have had the pleasure of meeting a number of the local guests, and I know them personally. But the first sort of you know furthest away kind of guest that I had the opportunity to meet was Jack Hollins. And he's a professional um, typographer, sign painter in London, England. 
Um, oh, awesome. Back in like episode 40, 50 range, you can find him. But um, he came out here with his family and was visit was visiting Vancouver, BC here. So me, my mm-hmm. wife, and my kids, we went out to visit him and his family and got to hang out with him and with uh, a gentleman named Raz, who was episode two or three. And um, yeah, just being able to connect with those people in person was a completely different relationship, completely different angle than this. And I really look forward to running into you at a sort of design conference in the future here. Oh, likewise, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. And actually there's a, yeah, there's a lot of rain check family time with a lot of people that I'm buddies like Bob Ewing, for example, we were just texting a couple of days ago and, um, that, that I love and, uh, Jesse from belief, um, out, out West, uh, want to get together with their family and just hang out and mm-hmm. kind of talk everything but design. Everything you know? but hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah. Um, all right, Austin, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. That's where I have a question for you from my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So with that said, my previous guest was Taylor Cashton. He's the principal designer at Fidelity Investments, as well as doing a lot of freelance stuff, him and Tara Victoria freelance, um, and they run something called the Black Soul Club, which is really cool, like dark skulls, cool design yeah. stuff based around black coffee culture. Uh, and, I love that. Yeah. And he was uh, a really cool guy to connect with. And like I mentioned, he's been through a lot of stressful points. Um, mm. Again, hospitalized due to stress and workload. And his story is really cool. So check out that episode before I spoil it. Um, Absolutely. But his question is, on air, on the podcast, admit to something you are doing that you want to say no to or a habit that you are trying to break. Um, You know, this is all based around that law of attraction and putting it out there and also accountability. So what is something you are trying to say no to or something or habit you're trying to break? Mm, I'd probably say self-deprecation. Um. I would, I would probably probably say that like, this is the first year I've actually like really started dialing in, like taking care of me, you know, outside mm-hmm. of a career and the benefits are, it's just, it's just like, what the hell, how, why did it take me so long to like realize that, <laughs> totally. like, that you know, being, being a um, graph designer isn't everything. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that, um, and, and yes, yeah, self-deprecation and kind of self-care is the other side of that coin mm-hmm. uh, would be something that I'm, that I'm, Try to kick on the daily. Awesome. Well said. Um, what is your ask it forward question there, Austin? Mm. See, that was such a deep philosophical human question. Like, I don't want to say. Yeah, but I have also I had to... questions about what's your favorite pizza. Right. So, In that, yeah, I don't want to be like, what's your favorite Pink Floyd album? Like, what's a, what's a good, um, you know what? It actually, someone asked, actually asked me this a couple of weeks ago. And I thought that was, I thought it was a good question. Um, if you, if you didn't have a creative drive, what would you be doing? Cause I don't know what your next guest is going to be. Like, I don't know if they're a designer or photographer or whatever the case may be. So like if, if you, if you couldn't be creative, what would fulfill your life? I like it. That's not as deep as, as the previous, but gets us somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Man, you've reached the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for your time, Austin. It was awesome connecting with you on here. Likewise, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed this interview with Austin. If you haven't had the chance to leave a rating and a review for the show on iTunes, please head over and take 30 seconds and do that now. I would really appreciate it. 
It helps more creatives and designers find the show, and that is all good. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you tomorrow.